Tuma. So there's a major problem which we shouldn't have, and that is the the uh, the, the uh, analogy of events. Because when you read the Torah straight, uh, then the Mishpatim is Nasa Benishma, and then Tuma, then Kisisa is the Egel, Kisisa is the Egel, and then goes back to the Mishkan and Vayakra and Bikudai. So according to the simple reading of the text, is the way the Ramban does it, and the, the Zohar. It's, it's exactly the way it goes. That right after Seris and Divros, we got Moshe given the mitzvah of the Mishkan, and he actually told the Jewish people, he went up to Hasinai for 40 days to get the post. During that time, they did the Egel. Egel was destroyed, and then uh, comes back, gets the mitzvah of Mishkan again. Okay, this is how the Rambam learns it. Rashi says, no, Rashi says, that really, uh, they got the luchos, uh, I mean, they got the sersedivos, they said, nishma. Moshe went up, didn't mention, there's no mishkan at all, um, breaks, ego, breaking luchos, and then you get the mitzvah of the mishkan later, according to Rashi, the whole mishkan is after the Maise ego. So there's this famous Sfarna that uh, says, uh, according to the Shai of Rashi, so what was the plan? If, if Was there actually a plan? Because Rashi says later that the Mishkan is a kapara for the ego. It's a way of getting a tongue for the ego to do this big mitzvah of Mishkan. What was the plan before the ego, according to Rashi? So the Sfarna says, the plan was that every single Jewish home would be a Mishkan. Hashem would put a Shechina in every single Jewish home. You didn't need to have a separate one place. The amazing idea of the Sfarna, that the Jewish home would have been the Mishkan. Many, many. Everyone would be able to give Karbanos in their own home? Yeah, probably. It would be a completely different thing. So that's what, uh, anyway, good. So, the Shemesh Mold says his theory he has his own theory, his own shot, the combination of Rashi and uh, the Ramban. He says, you take it literally, the way the Ramban does, and there's a Mishkan before the Egel, and then, and that had to do with Kapara, of course not, because it was, they were just getting Kapara, and, uh, and then they do the Egel, and then there's an, again a Mishkan, and that's a Mishkan of Kapara. So there were two, two mitzvahs Mishkan, that's how he reads it. If the chronology is good, like the Ramban. But meanwhile, uh, all of this idea that the Mishkan has so much the Chaper, the Neisot, there's a lot of uh, phraseology about Kapara, that's talk also true, that the Mishkan changed. There were two mitzvahs Mishkan according to Shem Mishmar. One was before, one was after the sin of Ega. So he explains what are these two mitzvahs Mishkan according to his Pshat. He says a person, the goal of the Torah is that a person should have Kedusha. Recently, Kedoshim. Kedoshim, Kedoshim, Okechem, Sema'am Kadosh. However, however, there's multiple levels and forms of Kedusha. There's not one thing called Kedusha which everybody has or everybody's supposed to get. 
There's many different kinds of Kedusha. So let's say the Kedusha Moshe Rabbeinu is way above anybody else. The Kedusha of a Tzaddik is above the average Jew. The Kedusha of a Kohen is more than other Jews. Kohen Gadol is more Kedusha. And, and every single person has his own kind of Kedusha. And so there's, there's a certain basic standard Kedusha called Kedusha Sisrael. It's standard. Everybody has to do this six or 13 mitzvahs. But there's a Kedusha which every person has as an individual that's unique to him. And now, he says that basically, this is his take on this. I mean, I don't think everybody agrees with that. What exactly, what is the key to Kedusha? So his claim is, uh, which is based upon definitely uh, Rashi's and Chazal in different places, that Kedusha means staying away from temptation, okay? So that's also, a lot of sukkim like that, that you should be kadosh, stay away from temptations. So that means that you have to give up something to get kedusha. So let's say the 613 mitzvot means the negative side, I'm staying away from things that are prohibited. The positive side, I'm from giving up other things to do the mitzvah, giving up my personal pleasures. So kedusha always involves some kind of a sacrifice to get closer to Hashem, or to be holier in English, but it basically means I'm giving up something for this higher goal of Kedusha. Now, he says most people, their Kedusha, they're, they're giving up some phys- physicality. So if you don't have Torah, don't have Kedusha, the whole day is spent pursuing pleasures. Eat, as they say, Yiddish dress, and other pleasures. That's what you're going to be doing. So what the Torah says, give up some things. You can't eat bacon and ham with eggs. You, uh, don't, don't don't do uh, work on Shabbos. Don't drive your cars. You're giving up. You're getting kedusha. And uh, so, look, I understand. You give up some pleasures. Give up. So I can't eat on Yom Kippur. I can't eat straight food. Give up time. I have to spend time. But what was Moshe Rabbeinu? What did Moshe Rabbeinu give up to get his kedusha? He wasn't interested in physical pleasures at all. He wasn't interested in money. We see by the Kriyas Yamsuf, all the Jews were there collecting the gold and the silver. Moshe Rabbeinu was taking care of the Atzmas Yosef. He doesn't care about the gold and silver. He's not going to get rich. He only gets rich much, much later on when he brings up the Luchos, and then he gets the chips of the Luchos. It was made out of diamonds, Rashi says, the diamond and stone. So those chips of diamonds made him super wealthy. He wasn't interested in money. He didn't eat food. He goes 40 days, Ramban says, was his own personal energy, which got him to go 40 days without food and drink. It wasn't a miracle. Yet he was so outside of physicality, he didn't need that food for 40 days. Okay, so so what's he giving up to get his Kedusha? He doesn't care about physical things. He doesn't care about pleasures. So he says a shame, Mishmul, a very interesting thing. What he gave up was this getting higher and higher in Kedusha, getting higher and higher to Hashem. Because let's say we see the, what does he want from Hashem. He tells Hashem, I know a lot about you, but I don't know everything. I have to know more. I want to get even closer than I am to you. So he had this tremendous drive of Yediyat Hashem to know Hashem, to get closer to Hashem more and more. And, and Hashem tells him, you have to stop. I'm 
Well, not that you know everything. We eat that the whole right. Well, not all very well. You can't know everything. This is what you have to give up. But then the way it expressed itself is that he quotes this famous Chazal. Chazal say, Vayevid Moshe min ahar el ha'am. When he comes down from the mountain, his mission is to go to the Am. Which means like this. He could have been, when he comes down from the mountain, he could have been spending more time on developing his own personal spirituality. At a super duper top level, and he wants more spirituality. Because like we all know, that the more spirituality you get, the more you want it. Say, so guy's learning Torah. The more Torah he learns, the more he wants to learn even more Torah. So, uh, the, more, the more you dive in, the more you want to dive in, the more, the more you start saying to him, the more Torah learns. Because spirituality has a way of intoxicating the person. The person wants to get that spirituality more and more. But Moshe is told, go to the Am. Your, your mission is not that you should get more spirituality. Your mission is to bring spirituality to the Jewish people. So words, he has to give up his personal spiritual development for the Am. That's what the Shem Shmuel says. That Rashi quotes it. Rashi says, he, when he came down from the mountain, he didn't go to his Ohel, which meant his own personal situation. He went to the Am. The Rav said something which is even more startling than that. The Rav said that literally Moshe Rabbeinu gave up his family for Amisranel. Because we see that Moshe's kids don't become anything. In fact, a grandson, according to Chazal, becomes uh, a Kohen or Pesel Micha, which is uh, terrible. I don't know how so we were, anyway, it was a terrible thing. So, so the Rav said that uh, Moshe Rabbeinu he was unique. No one should ever do this. Okay? No one ever is supposed to say, "My, I'm, I'm taking care of other Jews, therefore I will ignore my family. Unfortunately, a lot of cloud people, rabbis, and leaders, whatever, do this. They ignore their family because they're taking care of all the other Jews that they want to help. It's very nice to take care of other Jews. It's a great mission. It's Moshe Rabbeinu's mission to take the Jewish people out of Mitzrayim and to give them the Torah but you're not supposed to give up your family. Your family's first. That's for everybody else. However, Moshe, the Rav said, a special Zeus and Kosov, Moshe Abdi, he's not like anybody else. Hashem, Hashem tells Aaron and Miriam, and have plenty of prophets. Moshe, he's completely different. His wife, Zipporah, was complaining to them. Unfortunately, he's Moshe Rabbeinu. He has to ignore his wife. Yes? Why to the detriment of his children? I mean, why didn't Hashem make his children become big domain also? If Moshe wasn't the one taking care of them, I mean, why, why not? The rough set of shot. The rough set of shot is because those children were never in Mitzrayim. They never went through the slavery of Mitzrayim or the Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim. They were born in Midian. They grew up in Midian. And someone who never went in that generation, if you didn't go through the office of Mitzrayim, and you didn't have Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim, you could never, ever get to that level. In fact, most probably, they even missed Matan Torah by their service. They did was they come with Yisrael, and they unfortunately say that was after Matan Torah. So his children... They were a lost um, cause? Huh? They were just a lost cause? Yeah, because how could they? They never had Abdus. They never saw the ten plagues. They never saw it. The next generation didn't have it either. Like the next generation of 
But Jews in the Midbar didn't either, and they didn't all go off. Yeah, but they were not the next generation. They were the first generation, Moses' children. They were that age. They were born early in Midian. They should have been around 60, 70 at that time. Uh, so they were very adults, and they didn't go through the most defining experience of the generation. So that's why. That's why. Nothing great came out of that. So, uh, however, I want to say that it's a medrash, as a saving grace. The medrash says that when Hashem told Moshe, I'm going to make you a big nation, he promised him 600,000 descendants. So the average lady today is a descendant of Moshe Rabbeinu. The average lady. So... All generations, all the Levine come from Okay. It continues. Yes. Just one other question. Why would they be 60 or 70? Wouldn't they be two? Right? The whole story with Moshe and Tipora heading back, maybe in a personal Oh, yeah. With the breast, the dumb mom. Yeah, right. the, they wouldn't be 60 I mean, they wouldn't have experienced it's just from any race. They would have been infants. They would have been... For sure, Allah's are. Yeah, Allah's would have been, been, been baby, right? They would have been very little. So why would one. why would experiencing Israel's Messiah make a difference, anyways? Why would they be different than the other babies? Yeah, yeah, because but, um, because they're Moshe Rabbeinu's children, so everybody expects so much of them. But they, that's well, not they the don't have the experience though. to become like that, and unfortunately for them, Moshe is not spending time with them where a normal father would. Especially a father like Moshe Rabbeinu would, if he was allowed to, but he was not allowed to. But the Rosy Sword was that. That was what the Rav said. That, but the Rosy Sword then shouldn't work because the Rosy Holy Sword was, in Achanami Moshe Avdi, he can't he can't be a father. But the reason Hashem also couldn't make sure that they didn't become nothing, that they became something, um, was because they didn't experience the Yisrael Mitzrayim. But. Why would them experiencing Yisrael Mitzrayim at two and three years old make a difference, anyways? Oh, you're right. That's a good point. So the Rebbe's estimation is not so good. I mean, he said they weren't by, but they would be babies at how Sinai. I said, why would that make yeah. a big difference? Maybe, maybe the babies at how Sinai got some kind of levels that if you weren't there, you couldn't connect to that. You were, you were way behind. That's according to the Rav, yeah, say that. I never saw anybody else say that, so I don't know. Yeah. That's what the Rav said. Okay. Okay, so now continue what we're saying. So there are different kinds of Kedusha. Moshe Bainer's Kedusha is, uh, he gives up his own personal desires, whether it's his own Kedusha development, his own wife, his children, to do this. Take care of the animal. Okay. Everybody else has their own uh, places where they give up something to get more and more kedusha. Right. Now, you see like this that Jewish people are giving a huge amount to the Mishkan very quickly. Okay, millions and millions of shkalim, everything you can think of, gold, silver. Literally in one day or two days, that's what the Gemara says. So why did they have this tremendous energy 
to build the Mishkan. So what the Shem Mishmal says, it depends which Mishkan you're talking about. There's the Mishkan right after Math and Torah. That's because they had seen so much of Hashem's presence that that created a tremendous appreciation of Hashem and a desire to get even closer. So given this opportunity of building a Mishkan which would in a certain way permanently bring Hashem into their midst, not just as one, one event of passing it, but they would have Hashem literally there all the time. That was amazing traction for them. So that's why they were gave they went all out to donate as much as they could for that Mishkan. That's the first Mishkan. However, unfortunately, the sin of the ego, so that was lost. Now they get a second opportunity to do the Mishkan, and this second opportunity to do the Mishkan is after the worst sin of the world, sin of the ego. So, so basically, after the ego, Hashem tells Moshe, tell them that before, right after Asinai, you had so much kedusha that you were going to live forever. You, the Chazal say that right after the Asasadipros, the Jews were restored to the state status of Adam and Chava uh, before the sin of Eitzadat. The, the Eitzadat was almost gone completely, and they weren't going to die, and clearly they would be invincible in war. So... So, you know, life was going to be incredibly different and wonderful. Now, they lost all of that because of the sin, but they had to voluntarily agree to give it up because Hashem tells Moshe, go to them, you go down, and tell them. And this was after they were doing tshuva, after the, after he burnt the Egel and all of that. So then Hashem tells Moshe, tell them to take off their crowns, the Ediyam. The eight, the Ayin Dal Yud. was this uh, crown of glory, which meant that you would live forever. So, had, in other words, they had to voluntarily accept the punishment that they lost. They blew it big time forever. They're not going to be like Adam before the sending and all back to being regular people, and and the life is going to be, you know, like a regular life, which is a struggle. So, and of course, the dying is the worst of all things, so they have to accept death. Like Adam Arishan had to accept death, so they have to go through again a sin like Adam Arishan and accept death again. So, so this caused a tremendous, tremendous sense of loss by the Jewish people, a tremendous desire to do children bring Hashem back. Hashem was gone, so to speak. So they wanted him to come back. That is the second Mishkan. The second Mishkan, after the sin of the Ego, is the opportunity to, 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 to restore Hashem into our midst. Of course, not the same level as before, but much better than nothing. Much, much better than nothing. And that is the second Mishkan, which comes after the sin of the Ego. So, so then we have like this. It turns out that the Mishkan before the Egel, you can compare to the Kedusha of the Kohen Gadol, the highest possible level. 
for the Mishkan after the Egel. Maybe we could compare it to the Kohanim. But it's not Kohen Gadda, not Kohen Shabashim. So basically, when you go through, uh, let's say, the year, we have different levels of Kedusha. We have Rosh Chodesh, Yom Tov, and Shabbos, Kippur. So Rosh Chodesh is more like if it's a regular day, it has a certain amount of Kedusha. So that's like by the, by the Mishkan, it's like the first level of Kedusha beyond every day is Rosh Chodesh. Then you get another level called Yom Tiv, which is even more than Rosh Chodesh. And then you get Shabbos, which is even more. So you could compare Rosh Chodesh, let's say, to the Kedusha of a regular Jew. You can compare Yom Tiv to the Kedusha of a Kohen. You compare Shabbos to the Kedusha of a Kohen Gadol. And in, in the in the Mishkan itself, you have three levels. You have the Chatzer, which is the first level. Every Jew goes into the Chatzer. Then you have, after the Chatzer, you have the, the, the Mishkan itself, which is just going and going there to light the menorah. And then in the, deep in the Mishkan, you have the Kodesh Kadoshim, which is just for the Kohen Gadol. So, so he says like this, he says, terms of everyday life, you have normative Kedusha. Keep the Torah, keep the mitzvahs, keep halacha. That's normal Kedusha. Something like Kedusha for everybody. And that's the call that maybe the Rosh Chodesh level or the Chatzera level. The normative 613 mitzvahs for every day, for every day. Then you have certain people who go beyond the letter of the law. They do the Sadim. They do certain things more than is necessary. Okay? So, obviously, if uh, someone's learning, well, it says that learning Torah, you can be out, say, just by saying Krishna twice a day. But person who says, I want more than that. I want more than just say Krishna twice a day. I want to learn six hours a day. So that's getting into another level. That's getting into the level of the Fnimshus and then doing more. It's like moving up to the Kohen level. From being a regular Jew, you're now a Kohen. Uh, or so being at the Chatzar, getting into the Mishkan itself. That's a, that's a person who does more than that. This must I do more, that must I do more. Some people do more tzedakah than they have to do. Tzedakah is not so much, say, 10%. But this guy says, I know, I'm going to give 20%. I'm going to give 50%. So he's doing more. So he's at the higher level, voluntarily. Yes. I think Moshe Fancy said it's only for a person who doesn't have that much money. Oh, but, but once you have money, they, that, that's not the rule. So, so let's say a person makes a hundred million dollars a year. You're not going to say a chomesh only should give twenty million. Once with eighty million, he has eighty million every year coming. Of eighty, just in a sense. So the merchant says you have to always rash, you know, 
gauge it based upon the income, that's how much. So saying in those years, they didn't have that much money. Even people well off, 20% was pretty much the top you could do for today. 80% for some people, 90% by next time, million dollars a year. 90% it's a duck. That's the most That's Amos. Then, that's 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 that's, cool. that's, that's, that's being creating more kedusha in certain certain areas, extra kedusha. Then you have the tzaddik, That's the highest possible level is that whatever you're doing, you're trying to max maximize the kedusha. Whatever you do. All the time, the whole day, I'm thinking about Hashem and how I can get closer to Him. And I can do things even better than just basic. In every area, that's it. Sadik is so dumb. That's the biggest sadik. He's like that. That's that's where he's functioning. So that's uh, the Kodesh Kedoshim level. That's the Kohen Gadol level. Okay. So therefore, given all of these different kinds of kedusha. And then in the Mishkan, we we had the first Mishkan, which was at the super duper level of Kedusha. And then you had the second Mishkan, which was a lot, very a lot of Kedusha, but not super duper duper. It was high, very high level, but not, not beyond. So he says the first Mishkan was completely, would have been completely spiritually. We have no concept of what it could have been, what it would have been like. We've been like a Ganeiden before the sin, so we don't, we can't even imagine how much kedusha would have been in that that kind of a thing. But second Mishkan, we know, we know what it was, but it definitely very, very spiritual. The second Mishkan and very miraculous, because it says that the Ornak Kodesh didn't really fit into the Kodesh Kedushin. You know that the, the Ornak. No one really had to carry it. It was floating. They moved from place to place. Then always, you know, we know that they had, I think, eight wagons for all these crushing. We had 100 crushing, 100 beams. Each beam was 10 arms tall. 10 arms about 25 feet tall. And they were plated with gold. They were solid wood and plated with gold. So each beam must have weighed thousand pounds. And there are a hundred of them. It's a hundred thousand pounds. She's putting on four four wagons, six wagons, two two cows pulling the wagons. Two cows, that means eight cows to pull a thousand pounds. Each beam is a thousand pounds of a hundred tons. Nothing was impossible according to regular laws of of for physics. It was a miracle. It was a nest it was a mess that these cows, these wagons, could carry all these beams. It was a mess. So there are a lot of Nisan going on in the, in the second Mishkan. It wasn't that the second Mishkan was just an everyday building, an everyday shul. It was a mess, but it was much lower than the first one. And it came because of the Korach of Tshuva. The Jewish people in the desert had a lot, a lot of Kedusha, much more than regular. They had that on the cover, they had that. 
peace at night. You know, that'd be kind of nice. A lot of, a lot of miracles, God's presence. So, so basically, for us, Shabbos, let's say, there are two levels of kedusha of Shabbos. The first level of kedusha is getting out of the week. That's, that's called the level of shamar. Is yom the So you get out of the week. And Friday night, you have this level of kedusha, which is like. It's like the Kedusha of the Mishkan, the second Kedusha. It's getting away from bad stuff. Getting away from Chol. So they build the Mishkan. Get away from the ego. Get away from all the bad things. Get away from everything. Go into holiness. That's the Friday night. Then, the day of Shabbos, Zachar's Yom Shabbos, the That's like the first Mishkan. That's... Hashem's presence, you feel it so strongly that you're in a completely different time zone. You're in Kiddush Shabbos. Completely different. The whole week, the whole week is completely different. Not on the radar screen, as the Kiddush Shabbos during the day. So, in general, in general, as we go, we go through in our lives, you know, the pursuit of Kedusha, which is maybe the most important general mission that every person has, to pursue Kedusha and to achieve Kedusha. There are two different ways of getting it. One is the inspirational, positive thing. Like the first Mishkan, I have to say, it was you got to a Mishkan. So, let's say you're in the yeshiva, you're learning the base medrash, that inspires you to go up in Kedusha. So that's like a positive way of getting Kedusha. And then you have the second Mishkan, so disgusted with what's going on, you run away from it in order to do something, Kadosh. You're so disgusted with what you see out there in the streets. You gotta get away from it and, and, and live a life of Kedusha. That's uh, the Kedusha of Tshuva. So you have the Kedusha, let's say, call it Yaseito of Kedusha, and then you have the Suomeva Kedusha. So, uh, what's interesting is this, this is an exercise we have at the end of, the, of this uh, discussion. Keep, to realize, keep track. When during the day am I trying to get away from something negative? Something negative is going on. You've got to get away from it to get into something which is good and holy. And when during the day do I have something which is inspiring me to, to, to go up and to do shut? Okay, boys in yeshiva have much more of the positive. Kedusha. People out there working, I think, have much more of the negative Kedusha. They have to get away from what they see. And they, so, nowadays, we, both ways, you know, Kedusha here and Kedusha there. Obviously, the positive Kedusha is, is an easier track, it's an easier path. Shiva get inspired. To a rabbi, a rabbi, inspires me. So, inspiration is today, definitely today. I think it always was the, the easiest and the best way to go. But life is life. So people are a lot of 
situations which are hard to deal with. So, but the thing is, as a reaction to that, they can find kiddush. They should find kiddush.